Welcome to Start Local, where we talk with business owners, leaders of nonprofits, and other members of our community focused on doing business in and around Chester County, Pennsylvania. Each episode will provide insight into the local business scene and tell you about opportunities to connect with and support businesses and nonprofits in your local area. The Southern Chester County Chamber of Commerce promotes trade, commerce, industry, and sustainable economic development while supporting a diverse and growing marketplace. The Chamber is proud to partner with the Start Local podcast to raise the profile of businesses and nonprofits throughout Chester County. Learn more about the Chamber at sccc.com. Welcome to Start Local, where we connect with local leaders to support local businesses and nonprofit organizations in and around Chester County, Pennsylvania. I am Eric Goodmanson, and I'm here today with my co-host, Liam Dempsey. Liam, how are you doing today? Fantastic, Eric. Thanks for asking. How are you? I'm doing very well. Um, I'd like to welcome our guest to the show. But before I do that, uh, Liam and I wanted to take a moment to remind you that we are planning an in-person gathering at a local venue to be announced. And we're working on the date, which is also to be announced. uh, But we're shooting for February or so of 2024. That's right, Eric. As our plans develop, the best way to keep informed aside from listening to our podcast, is to head over to our website at startlocal.co and click on the subscribe now button at the top of every page. That way, when we have more details to share and we have a date and a venue, you'll be among the first to know. Excellent. Well, today, we are pleased to have Christopher Sayello with us. Chris is the president and CEO of the United Way of Chester County. Welcome, Chris. Good afternoon, Eric and Liam. Thanks for having me. Well, as we said, you're the president and CEO of the United Way of Chester County. But before pulling you into your work uh, about that leadership role, let's start with a bigger question. Practically everyone has heard of the United Way, yet we expect that a notably smaller percentage of people know what the United Way truly does. So what does the United Way of Chester County do and how does it support our local community? Well, our organization is uh, is approaching our 80th anniversary, um, and it's been a, a, a conglomeration of community f- funds and uh, district charities. But the best way I ever heard uh, the United Way described was, we connect people that can help with people that need help. And it's done in a variety of ways through supporting nonprofit organizations with grants, to mobilizing volunteers, to advocacy, uh, and many other uh, other ways, but uh, primarily, really, that's that's what we do. We work uh, to identify challenges and issues in the community, and then we try to bring the best and brightest around the table to find solutions to those community problems, and then we try to mobilize financial support uh, to address those issues. That's really interesting, Chris. So, the United Op- United Way we know operates at a national level. And you're our local Chester County level. Uh, And there are United Way chapters all across the country. How does your United Way, the United Way of Chester County, work with all the other United Way chapters? How does that work? So United Way is an interesting organization, uh, very similar to the YMCA. There is a national organization called the United Way Worldwide. um, But every United Way is its own independent 501c3 organization. And there's over a thousand of them in the U.S., 
We have our own local Chester County board. We make our own decisions on uh, where the investments go. Uh, we do pay a, a very small dues to be a United Way and that uh, we follow, we agree to follow certain brand guidelines and, um, and things like that. But uh, it's truly uh, a unique organization that is uh, locally run, locally uh, uh, driven, and it uh, really is f- focused on local needs. So regardless of which community you go into, your United Way is a reflection of that community's needs. And uh, um, we are really engaged with the United Ways in Pennsylvania. We're a member of the United Way of Pennsylvania. I also serve on their board and executive committee, as well as their public policy committee. And there's about 53 United Ways in Pennsylvania, um, a very close network. We're, we're always working on collaborative projects with our our neighbors. Um, and uh, it's, it's a really strong network where we make each other stronger. We learn from each other, both, you know, creative, innovative ideas, uh, as well as, you know, what, what isn't working. And, and so that we don't make the same mistakes uh, as others may have made along the way. And uh, we, uh, they're, they're the best of the best. And, uh, and we uh, have learned so much from them uh, just being part of the United Way of Pennsylvania network. That's an excellent background. So thank you for sharing that, Chris. But right now I want to focus a little more directly on you. Um, I'm curious what it's like serving as the president and CEO and how do you go about fulfilling your, your duties and responsibilities? What's a typical day look like for you? Uh, you know, if that's pre-March 12th, uh, 2020 or after, uh, because it certainly uh, has changed a lot uh, with uh, with COVID hitting, uh, our organization had to pivot like many. And, um, you know, these days, uh, the focus has really been on where is the community, um, in terms of, of the nonprofit sector, in terms of residents and, and their recovery. And, uh, what we found is they're, they're all along a a spectrum. Some are, uh, in much better shape than they were uh, going into COVID. Some uh, are still in, in, in difficult situations and that goes with the nonprofit sector. So as part of our kind of uh, daily rebuild of rebuilding our United Way for the next generation, we're really focused on one-on-one relationships with nonprofits. Where are they at and how do we help them build their capacity in the way that they need it, not the way that we think they need it? Um, and so that's why I spend a lot of my time talking with nonprofits, talking with corporate partners who have workforce development challenges and some of their employees may be dealing with some of these uh, social service issues that prevent them from being uh, as good as they can be in the workplace. So uh, we gather a lot of information. We pull a lot of partners around the table and uh, spend a lot of time focused on where the needs are, where the gaps and services are, and how do we help jumpstart solutions to some of those. That sounds like it makes for a busy day. So we know that your organization recently purchased and renovated a 5,000 square foot standalone building in Exton, Pennsylvania. And in speaking with you before we hit the record button, Chris, we, we understand that the decision to make that move was quick and very unexpected for you and your, your colleagues. It's a long story. We know that. But can you give us the Reader's Digest version? I would love to. Uh, this building is um, it's a testament of community. Uh, we were located in Westchester, um, for many years and uh, about 
six years ago now, we had moved to Exton uh, because we were trying to lower our overhead and lower the rent and had signed a five-year lease. And when that lease was coming up in 2022, we thought that uh, we could negotiate it back down. There was a lot of empty space out there and much to our surprise, it went up and uh, we were forced to, to look at moving again. We had some really courageous um, board members, uh, as well as a wonderful partner of United Way is the uh, Chester County Economic Development Council. And Mary Frances McGarity said, you know, you ought to look at buying a building. It's time you have a permanent home. Uh, and it led us on an unexpected journey. We did not have a plan to buy a building. It wasn't in a strategic plan. It wasn't uh, in a business plan. But uh, February 2022, um, we started looking uh, and it came together really quickly. We went under agreement of sale in March of 2022. Uh, and as we approached that 90-day due diligence uh, period, uh, launched a silent capital campaign um, that raised $1.4 million. So the whole building's paid for, the renovations were paid for, um, and that what we would normally be paying in rent and occupancy now goes back to the community. The great thing about that is that uh, when we went through this capital campaign, we asked every donor, we said, if you want to support the building, it has to be above and beyond any current support. We don't want to redirect money that we're raising for grants towards a building. And every single donor agreed to it. Um, the, we took possession of the building June 1st, and corporate partners just rallied around this project, uh, giving us pro bono uh, project management, uh, architectural work, legal work, marketing support, and um, uh, this amazing uh, renovation happened in 90 days. Lots of donations from wow. corporate partners with lights, and um, it it we were in the building in the beginning of October, and our old lease ran out the end of October. So uh, something magical about this project happened, but we were able to design the building for the community because we felt like it was a gift to us from the community. That is nothing short of incredible. I mean, what an amazing success story you have there. That's uh, that, that's that's utterly brilliant for for both you and your supporters. You mentioned that you're supporting the community with that building, and uh, I'm curious how are local nonprofits using your offices and facilities? Um, I, are there specific benefits that you can extend to them that they wouldn't otherwise be able to access? Uh, and how much uh, usage have you seen of it uh, from these these local nonprofits? That's probably one of the most exciting parts of this building is, you know, when we when we went through the redesign of the building, which was formerly just an office building, you know, we took a lot of walls down and we built a, a, a leadership center, we built a social innovation lab, and we built a financial independence hub three spaces that the community can use. And what it's done is it's given us the opportunity to, to build relationships with nonprofits that we didn't know, frankly, prior to it, but also nonprofits that we've had a relationship for a long time with that, you know, have additional needs for space to either expand their services or um, keep from having them having to pay rental fees. Uh, and we've had some 
just amazing things that have happened in here. I'll give you a couple examples. Uh, Crime Victim Centers recently held their sexual assault nurses examiner training here. It's a 40-hour training. So uh, we had a building full of nurses for four days, uh, you know, learning about sexual assault and and, and becoming a certified examiner. stuff we never would have imagined that we'd have been able to be a part of. Um, Aiden's Heart Foundation, a wonderful organization based out of Downingtown that teaches people uh, how to do CPR and um, use AEDs, um, is now using our building as their headquarters for all their community CPR classes. And starting this January, they'll be doing EKG screenings for youth. which is pretty amazing. Uh, and then the, the whole gamut, we had legal aid and um, an organization called Grand Families that worked with grandparents on custody issues. And the space worked out well because they had the big room to do more of an education session. And then they could do breakouts with individual families um, and uh, lots of nonprofits like the Housing Partnership uh, of Chester County uh, and the Youth Mentoring Partnership use it for things like board meetings or mentor training. So. Um, the, the diversity of use has been incredible, but it's also, it makes us come alive. You know, in our in our old work and in our old space, we, it was just a small office space. So we really didn't come in contact uh, with our partners in action. And now we have, and, and it really has uh, changed our relationship with nonprofits uh, and the community. We also, you know, open it up to chambers of, of commerce to use and um, have done some appreciation things. We recently had a uh, appreciation lunch for uh, the partnership and homelessness in Chester County, where we brought together 60 or 70 people working uh, to help end homelessness in Chester County. And we did a big Leone's pizza lunch for them and just to say thank you. So so it's given us a lot of different opportunities um, to reach out to the nonprofit sector and um, and fill a, fill a bit of a need, but also um, when, you, when you're around people and you get that conversation going, it's amazing the things and collaborations that come together. Chris, I uh, do some volunteering with the Crime Victim Center of Chester County and uh, trying to help with some of their communication efforts. And we recently had a meeting at your offices. And I, I got to be honest with you, I thought we were kind of going into just like a co-working space. And, you know, I knew it was the United Way of Chester County. I wasn't sure. I didn't think I was at some just general place, but I kind of figured we would just be in there and nothing special. But your team, your folks who greeted uh, us coming in for this meeting and wanted to make sure we were all set up. And it was more than just, here's a nice facility, please use it. There was, there was friendship. There was camaraderie. How are you going back and forth by names? It was, it was really special to see. So I, I'm so glad to hear that that space is working out so well. What a, what a, what a, what a great gift to the community. An incredible gift. And, you know, we, we take that very seriously. Um, you know, we know that, that money that we would have spent on rent um, that we can now deploy, redeploy into the community to, to benefit people um, is, a, is a great gift. And that's not a one-time gift, right? That's a year after year after year gift. So we feel like we have a responsibility to uh, to make sure that we put this building to use and it'll never be busy enough for me. I'm, I, I don't like the silence in the building. Um, but, uh, but we encourage any nonprofit to reach out to us if they need some space. The Leadership Center, they all, all the rooms have state-of-the-art technology. Um, we don't charge any, any fees at all, no cleaning fees, any, no rental fees, and um, any nonprofit can use it at no charge. So we encourage them to reach out to us and, 
take advantage of this space. And it's centrally located in the county right in Exton. That's great. Thanks for that. So you talked about your new social innovation lab. Tell us about the lab. What are you trying to achieve with the lab and how's it going? So the social innovation lab has been another thing that wasn't on our radar, but, you know, as we, we kind of went through um, this journey with the building, we had some extra space and, you know, one of our biggest challenges and pet peeves is that, uh, you know, nonprofits aren't built to be innovative and entrepreneurial. It's not, doesn't mean they're not, but right. They're told, keep your overhead down. So, um, you know, oftentimes they're afraid to take risks and chances and so uh, we've reached out to a great partner of ours in the uh, Chester County Economic Development Council, who has an I2N program uh, that, that works with entrepreneurs. And we said, well, what if we partnered with you and we did something for nonprofits to teach them those same concepts, but then when they come up with creative solutions to community problems, we fund pilot programs so they can try it uh, without putting their organization at risk. And that was the initial concept we pulled together uh, a, a social innovation lab steering committee um, that's some of the best and brightest people in the county in social innovation. You know, we've got um, uh, the Westchester University's involved, Penn State Great Valley's launch boxes involved, the Economic Development Council's involved, Sue Springsteen, uh, an, on, an entrepreneur in Coatesville, and um, uh, this group has spent a lot of time and a lot of uh, a lot of hours talking about what's needed and what the structure should be. We originally were building it, thinking it was going to be just a program. Uh, what it's turned out to be is really an umbrella of programs and a, a series of things, um, including, I believe, uh, in two days, a chat GPT for nonprofits uh, session that's coming up. So so it's, it's turned into something we didn't expect, but we kind of let the committee and the community and the nonprofit sector kind of lead where it goes. Um, and it's going to be a constantly evolving process um, and project. And, you know, we're going to fill the gaps that we feel like that we, we need to fill, but also be very responsive to what nonprofits need um, to be strong today and even stronger tomorrow. Wow, that's uh, some interesting stuff you have going on there. Um, I wanted to talk about something that is interesting to me, and I find it to be one of the most insightful things that the United Way does, and that's the ALICE study. Um, we talked about it with Laura Mannion back in episode 34. And, and for our listeners, ALICE stands for Asset Limited Income Constrained Employed. And that acronym speaks to a local community where people exist above the federally defined poverty line, yet still lack sufficient income to fulfill their own basic needs. Um, they could be one expected expense away from slipping into poverty. So it's a, it's a really concerning population. So for some local context, Chester County is, is certainly one of the wealthiest counties in Pennsylvania, if not the nation. We have a poverty rate of 6%, but there is an additional 24% rate of Alice households. So would you please explain more about the Alice community as the United Way defines it and, and what you're doing to help them? Eric, I'm so glad you asked me about that because when the Alice Report in Pennsylvania came out in 2019, um, it was shocking. Um, 
shocking to the business sector who's financially supported us that it was people were having a hard time believing that uh in the wealthiest county in pennsylvania um and the, you know that 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 people there were so many people were were one dead car battery away from financial crisis and we rolled the alice report out at our uh annual meeting um that summer july of of 2019 and you know, people were scratching their heads a bit, but we decided, you know, we had to figure out who is our target market, right? Our, our The work that we do is in education, health, and financial stability, and it's the healthiest, wealthiest, and fun, uh, most educated county in the state. So um, how do we define and put that flag in the ground and say, and this is who the United Way serves? And we chose the Alice population, right? They're they're just above the federal poverty line, so they're, um, they're they don't qualify for a lot of benefits, but they're low that below that self sufficiency line, um, and uh, so uh, the Alice report in Chester County proved itself out when COVID hit just a few months later uh, in 2020. Um, within three weeks of the uh, of the shutdown, there were people camped out in the Honeybrook food pantry parking lot on Tuesday for Wednesday food distribution because they were three weeks without a paycheck. And that's when I think people realized, yeah, there's a lot of people out there in this position. So that has been kind of the core of our investment strategy for the last three years. And and our board just recommitted that Alice is our target population. And um, so whenever we uh, work with uh, nonprofits. We're always talking about Alice and how their programs and services serve Alice. And with our funding decisions, we always take that in, in into play. Um, the the number the rate did go up, and you know here in the wealthiest county in Pennsylvania, uh, three in ten, thirty percent of people are Alice or below. And you know what uh, what's even more. Um, it, not shocking. That's probably not the right word, but um, it's every corner of the county. Um, you know, when you look at Alice and poverty together, I mean, from out in the West in Atglen, it's 50%. One in two people in Atglen are, are, are Alice or poverty. Um, you know, we know, you know, Coatesville and Modena, you're talking two thirds of the, of the residents there, but up in Spring City, 54%. You know, in Westchester, in our county seat, 54% of people are Alice or poverty. Um, and then you get down into some of the other areas, like out in the tip of the county in Elverson, it's more than 50%. So um, it, a lot of people fall into this category. And, um, you know, we're so we, we invest a lot of our time and effort on financial stability and that kind of pillar of our work. Um, we've done that through our mobile home project. We've done it through the VITA tax uh, assistance program. And right here in Exton, we have our United Way Financial Stability Center, which is located in the CareerLink building. It's the only facility of its kind in a CareerLink facility in the state of Pennsylvania out of 67 counties. So we're really proud of that. But uh, really focused on how do we help people become uh, financially stable and self-sufficient. And um, so thank you for asking about Alice. It is kind of a silly acronym with a, a, a mouthful to describe what it is. But uh, at the end of the day, they're the people that really need need our help to keep them uh, 
keep them moving along and, and, um, and keep them out of financial crisis. Because once you fall into that, it's really challenging to get out. Chris, the, the example you shared of folks in the Alice community being one charge away, one cost away, you shared a car battery. And while they're, they're not cheap, they're not that much. It's not like a whole car payment or a two months of rent behind. And, and that description, I think, is particularly poignant to talk about how precarious folks in that position where they're, they're working every day, but the, the wages that they're bringing home are not covering their costs in any kind of save three months worth of earnings for emergency ways. So thank you. Thank you for walking us through that. And thank you for the, the work that you and your colleagues are doing. Uh, along those lines of, of unexpected costs or unpredictable costs, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, the work that you and your colleagues have done to address the significant property tax issues that adversely affect mobile homeowners in Pennsylvania. found out about this in, in, in chatting with some of your colleagues in advance of our time together today. Can you talk us through what that tax property problem was and how did the Social Innovation Lab work to address it? Well, it's still a problem. Uh, so it, 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 it's what it is. And, um, you know, we learned about it uh, through a, a newspaper article in the Philadelphia Inquirer about a volunteer at the Honeybrook Food Pantry. A gentleman by the name of Randy Blau uh, was volunteering there. And he was talking to some of the clients about how did, um, you know, what's keeping them from being financially stable. And, uh they told him that, you know, they were paying these really high taxes for their mobile homes. And as he explored it, what he found is there's actually a flaw in the state tax code. So um, a mobile home is, uh, it's more like a car than a, than a house, right? It doesn't have a title or a deed. It has a title like a car and um, it depreciates where a house appreciates. And so very quickly after purchasing a mobile home, uh, it's, it's depreciating about 3% a year, and um, suddenly you become overtaxed. So Randy um, looked into how do you fix this, and the only way to fix it is to go through the pretty lengthy uh, reassessment process um, with the county, the, the, the tax reassessment process. So he took a, about a dozen and a half people through, and he found they were about 70% overassessed and um, was able to, to take them through. We reached out to him because we wanted to meet him. And when he educated us about the the extent of this problem, there's 3,600 mobile homes in Chester County. And um, just in a six-mile stretch on 322 from Route 82 out to the Honeybrook Food Pantry, there's 1,037 mobile homes. So uh, we learned about it, and we decided we're going to do something about it. So we partnered with Legal Aid. And we said, we're going to do any reassessment that um, anybody that wants to take their mobile home through a reassessment, we're going to help them. Because it's some of the only affordable housing in Chester County. So we started this journey five years ago. And uh, the county tax office has been an incredible partner. As we were more educated about the problem, uh, we had some uh, some recommended changes to the system to make it a little easier. Um, and uh, they, they've been a great partner in that. But we are very proud to say that this year we went over a thousand reassessments in the last five years, 
saving those mobile homeowners almost $9 million over the next 10 years that they should have never owed to begin with, um, but for that flaw in the state tax code that requires mobile homes to be taxed like a house. Uh, we are working on some public policy issues to try to get that fixed. We actually got it partially fixed a couple of years ago. So if a county goes through a countywide reassessment, they can address it, but that doesn't fix it. If uh, you know, many counties aren't going to go through a reassessment. So in the meantime, uh, we're taking them through one at a time and uh, legal aid has been just a tremendous partner um, that and, and the paralegals in Chester County have volunteered a lot of time uh, going out and doing these forms and and um, and taking it through the process. And we've got some incredible donors who funded this pr program since its inception. Um, so it, it's at no cost to the mobile homeowners. That's a, a fantastic initiative that I think most people wouldn't have dreamed of um, yet is having a real difference on that Alice population that's living in mobile homes here in Chester County. So that's truly making a difference. So thank you for that. One uh, tricky question we have is that we know the United Way of Chester County works with a number of amazing uh, local businesses and nonprofit organizations. But we'd like you to ask, or would like to ask you rather to, to highlight one or two that you feel should get more of a spotlight, maybe ones that, that aren't quite as, as well highlighted as they should, if they're doing something really incredible, really interesting that, that we should know about. Well, I'm not a politician, but my answer may be a little, a little political. I am not going to call out one of my children as the favorite over the other, um, <laughs> which is, uh, you know, the, there's so many incredible nonprofits. What I am going to call out that 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 maybe doesn't get the spotlight that it should is uh, the nonprofit employees. Um, so, uh, you know, when COVID hit. The nonprofit sector carried this community on their backs, right? And uh, they didn't stop working. They didn't stop serving. And so many of them saw the the demand for their services double. And uh, in many situations, you know, they they may have had a spouse at home that lost their job, and they were in some of the same circumstances. But the nonprofit employees, um, many of which are Alice, uh, have just kept on. Um, working on behalf of this community. And I don't think that the average person in the community understands the extent of gratitude we owe to the nonprofit employees, whether they work in childcare centers or work in a food pantry or work in a domestic violence center um, or uh, a senior center, uh, the creativity that many of them showed to be able to continue to serve the community uh, in many cases went unnoticed, but they did it anyway. Um, what I'd love to see is, you know, I would love to see the community just shower their their local nonprofit or their favorite nonprofit with gratitude, you know, it stopped by with uh, and stock their kitchen with Gatorade and candy and cookies, or uh, just show the employees some some of that gratitude that we all have uh, for what they for what they did. It's a tough time to be working in nonprofits because the demand has stayed the same, but the resources, the financial resources, many of which came through. Um, a lot of federal and state funds, uh, they've all dried up, but the demand is still there. And, and these nonprofit employees 
are working so incredibly hard and, um, and, and they're vital. They're vital to the strength of our County. So, um, I know that isn't the answer you asked or the question you asked me, but, um, but that's really the unsung hero. It's all of the nonprofit employees, um, in the County. You must hang out with a lot of politicians, Chris, because that was somewhat of a political answer, but it was really a really, really good answer and a noble answer. Because last time I checked, there were over 400 nonprofit organizations in the county, and they're all doing some wonderful things, and they could all use our attention. So so thank you for, for sharing that, that aspect. That's important. Yeah, Eric, I, I have to say that was going to be my response as well. Chris, that's the most impressive political answer I've ever heard. It was actually heartfelt and accurate and political. Well done, sir. Well done. <laughs> and, and I couldn't agree with you more um, through some of my contacts and, and the like in the, in the county, seeing what the nonprofits did. They did a lot with even less and did it with a big smile on their face, knowing that everybody was, was really struggling. So, yeah, what a, what a great answer. Thanks, Chris. If folks are looking to work in the nonprofit sector, they might want to work for the United Way of Chester County. Are you hiring? We are actually, for the first time in a very long time, we are fully staffed. And and I have the privilege every day of working with a dream team of dedicated community community servants. And uh, we are fully staffed, but, but, but that... We're a volunteer-driven organization, and and I will say we are always looking for volunteers um, in many different areas, especially in you know in skilled labor, you know from uh, from people that have HR experience to legal uh, experience or technology experience. Hint, hint, Eric. Um, we uh, we we really you know every dollar we can save. Hiring, uh, uh, having to hire one of those experts is money that goes right back to the community. So um, if people are looking you know, to share their time and talent, we're always looking for that. We also have a number of committees um, that, that are really driven by community members, whether it's our community impact council that makes the investment decisions because it is truly community people investing the community money. It's not the United Way staff uh, giving the money to our pet charities. Um, and we've got a finance committee and a resource development committee and a strategic initiatives committee. So we've got lots of uh, volunteer opportunities. We're also looking to place uh, skilled skilled volunteers uh, as well uh, as as volunteer groups uh, at, at nonprofits that may may need them. So um, while we may not have any paid positions right now, uh, we, we we will pay with our gratitude for for any hours people want to want to send our way. That's a good status update. I wanted to go back and, and tie together a few things that, that you mentioned. Um, the AI for Impact workshop that's happening in, or that happened, I should say, in your new building. Um, we recently talked about AI uh, with Chris McNeil, the COO of Freya Systems. That's episode 38. Um, and I'm curious, how did that workshop go, AI for Impact? And, and do you think you'll see more AI used within local nonprofit organizations? Well, thanks for asking that. And I will say our Director of Leadership and Innovation, Kelly Coxshaw, has just been incredible in identifying uh, 
projects that fall under the social innovation space. Uh, you know, we saw that nonprofit sector was being left behind in the conversation a little bit as AI has been changing the world around us on a daily basis. And so uh, Kelly identified a, a program uh, at Penn State University Park called AI for Good. And it's, it's part of uh, their new president, Dr. Budapende's efforts to take the power of Penn State out into the community and use it for good. So she was able to convince Penn State to partner with us. And they came out a couple weeks back. And um, it was a team from University Park and their NITI AI Alliance. And then 14 grad students, uh, mostly focused in data analytics and things at Penn State Gray Valley. Uh, and then we had 10, nine po- 10 nonprofits as part of this pilot, uh, AI for Impact Workshop. And they spent the day together that started talking about things, uh, how to use data, how to collect data, the value of data. Um, and then the nonprofits broke out into um, into different uh, groups and they were paired up with some of these uh, students uh, and they talked about either business challenges they have or opportunities they have that they're trying to figure out how to take advantage of. And then these students helped them come up with uh, a plan for how they could use AI to to either solve that business challenge or, um, you know, or, uh, or extend that uh, opportunity they might have. And they actually created a plan that day for how to implement AI. And uh, we know of one nonprofit that called us the next day that actually implemented their AI solution the very next day after that. So that that's going to be probably a cornerstone of our social innovation lab, uh, that project. And, um, and we're really excited that Penn State was able to come step to the table on that one, but uh, it exceeded our expectations. And we had a really diverse group of nonprofits. So it wasn't one particular kind of nonprofit. We had organizations from the YMCA to Volunteer English to TMAC um, to Youth Mentoring Partnership and uh, Orion up in Phoenixville and, and so many different diverse nonprofits that all benefited from, from the workshop. Oh, I'm loving that. I am absolutely loving that. Um, great answer. Great, great. I'm so glad to hear that that, that workshop was so so valuable. Um, Chris, we've talked about uh, workforce development, some of the challenges around supporting different folks and employers in the area. And we know that you're on the Chester County Workforce Development Board. How does that position uh, or your position on that board benefit both Workforce Development and the United Way. What is what is what is having you as the CEO and President of the United Way and on the Workforce Development Board? What's the value there? Well, I I will say from from my perspective, it's been tremendous, and I've gotten to work with Eric and see him in, in a leadership role with that group. Um, what's I think best about it for me uh, in my role is um, you know being at the table, having nonprofits represented at the table. Uh, talking about the challenges that uh, businesses have in Chester County to attract and retain quality employees, how to, um, and, and then, you know, what, what are, what are some solutions um, that we could all be working on? Because we do invest a lot in workforce development, um, you know, as a, as a priority area of ours. So being in that room with so many corporate leaders um, hearing of the challenges, but but also being able to share some of the programs and services that we support or that we can connect them with 
to help them solve some of their business solutions. So I think it's a great two-way street. It's very informative for us from the United Way standpoint, but I think it's also valuable for them um, in, in being able to, uh, to learn about uh, some of the services that could, could support their employees. So um, it really been a, it's been a beneficial relationship and we're so appreciative um, that we as a nonprofit have a seat at that table. I can say as a fellow board member, Chris, it's been invaluable to hear your opinions and your perspectives and uh, and to sharing and the way that you share them with the board really helps us implement, you know, better policies and, and spend money in a better way to, to help the population in the most efficient way possible. So uh, thank you for, for your time and your role on that board. You, if I recall correctly, you graduated from Penn State, right? So I'm curious how you go from, from Penn State uh, to this president and CEO of such an impact-driven organization. Tell me how you, you came to find your current role. Oh, you don't want to get me talking about Penn State. You said this was <laughs> a, a short podcast. I bleed blue and white. My, uh, my undergraduate degree is actually um, in recreation and parks, and uh, I was focused in sports, sports marketing and never felt I'd take this path. And then uh, went on to get my master's uh, at Penn State Great Valley. So, so I bleed blue and white, but it's been incredible. It's, you know, the, the most incredible part, it's a great education. Um, and it was a, a great place to go to college and to grad school. Um, but, but most importantly, that Penn State network is so strong in Chester County. And, you know, just having that connection and knowing that I can call up uh, corporate leaders uh, or uh, nonprofit leaders or individual philanthropists that have that same Penn State connection. And um, they'll take that call just to help out a fellow Penn Stater. Uh, that's been incredible for me um, throughout my career. Uh, and uh, uh, I'm still tapping into that. My, my college advisor uh, is still a, a mentor and friend to this day. Um, and I often lean on her for advice and feedback. Now she's retired, so she doesn't like when I'm calling cause I'm putting her to work, but, um, but it, it's a, it's a great, um, it's a great place, uh, to have graduated from, uh, and having that network and, you know, having Penn state Great Valley here in our community, they, they are a tremendous, resource. We have a separate um, partnership with them on a, a data analytics project. We're a capstone project for their uh, their fall data analytics class where they're helping us create some data pipelines, um, you know, f- uh, using different data sets that we collect through either 211 or the Alice report uh, and, the, and then partnering with an additional organization called Click that's creating some dashboards that will make that information available to nonprofits, to the county, to, to whoever needs it. But um, they're just, they're a great partner in our community. And so we, we appreciate them. And I appreciate I appreciate uh, that I, that I can call myself a Penn Stater. Well, as and the somebody, football team's not that bad either. <laughs> as a graduate of a Big Ten school that is not Penn State, I'm going to move the conversation on. Um, <laughs> Chris, we've heard so much today about what the great work that you and your colleagues at the United Way, what the partners of the United Way of Chester County what your volunteers are doing to support our local community. How can the community support our local United Way? You know, I, first and foremost, um, 
I think help amplify the message, right? We're, we're constantly trying to tell the story of community needs and uh, solutions, nonprofits doing good work, helping, helping us amplify that message so that it reaches, um, you know, every potential donor or volunteer, um, whether that be through social media or, um, you know, uh, through uh, telling a neighbor or friend at a party, hey, I volunteered for the United Way. Um, giving is obviously a, a big way to do it. We, you know, we have a great team of, uh, of community leaders and volunteers who make those investment decisions. And, you know, they put every dollar to work um, in a meaningful way and in an impactful way. Um, and, um, you know, advocating for people like uh, mobile homeowners, for example, right? Uh, that, that is only going to get fixed at the state level, right? And so um, who, do, who do the state legislators listen to? Their constituents. So, you know, uh, I, I heard a podcast uh, that you had with, uh, with Andy Yount, uh, who was also a former colleague of mine when I spent my time with the YMCA, you know, and, and Andy was talking about advocacy and food insecurity, right? And, and so amplifying um, the, the needs, the issues, um, you know, that's the kind of stuff I think the community could do um, is, is given a little bit, right? Adopt a, adopt a child called charity. So when you're buying your Christmas gifts this year for four kids, you know, slice off a fifth piece uh, that goes and supports uh, supports the community um, and volunteering. I mean, your time is priceless, uh, but, um, you know, there's so many incredible opportunities and it's so fulfilling um, to be to be able to serve your community. And so we're constantly inspired by the volunteerism that we see. And, um, you know, we're always happy to connect people with volunteer opportunities. So, you know, giving, advocate, volunteer, and amplify are, I think, the four ways uh, that people can really uh, support the United Way of Chester County. Well, we will put links to everything we've talked about over on our website in the show notes on at startlocal.co. So all the great organizations we've talked about, all the initiatives, all the programs, we will have plenty of links over at startlocal.co so folks can amplify that. Chris, thanks for your time today. Before before we wrap it up here, can you share where folks can find you online? Uh, they can find us at unitedwaychestercounty.org. Uh, and then we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, uh, we're on Instagram, and uh, soon to be on TikTok. So uh, take a, take a look, uh, hopefully have some fun with that one, but, uh, uh, there are always ways that you can, uh, you can find us. Well, Chris Salo, president and CEO of the United Way of Chester County. Thank you so much for spending some time with us and informing us on everything that, that you and the United Way are, are doing. We really appreciate everything that you're, you're doing to help our community. Well, thank you both for helping amplify uh, our message and the message of so many other organizations. Appreciate this podcast. It's our pleasure. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Don't forget to head on over to startlocal.co to subscribe for updates and information. In the meantime, we will see you in two weeks' time when we publish again. Thanks, and have a great day.